Welcome back to Sealed, a Bible study podcast. I'm Tyler Seal. And I'm Shiloh Seal. Welcome back, everybody. Lord, right now we just pray that we would be receptive to your heart today. Lord, burden us for the things that burden you. Fill our hearts, fill our minds with wisdom, with understanding. Lord, fill us with your mercy. Lord, right now we ask that you would pour out your grace and your Holy Spirit into the listeners. Lord, that all of us could be filled by you and through you and for you. Lord, right now we pray that you would give us the words to speak and that you would give us the ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we're going to take a little side mission and just focus, well, at least to begin with, on Paul. If you don't know who Paul was, well, you're going to need to do a little pre-study. So go ahead and hit pause and open up your Bible to Acts chapter 8. Start there and read almost all of the New Testament. And that's who Paul is. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so if you just hit play again, and it's a day or two later, we're actually going to go to to Acts chapter 8. And really, my wife and I, we were just discussing, you know, some of the, the beauty and some of the burden and some of the pain we see in the Christian community today. And some of the selfishness. And we started thinking, what if we had been called like Paul was called? What if we actually, as the Bible says, saw all the things we must suffer for Christ's sake? Because when Jesus came to Ananias and told him to go and find the blinded Paul. That's what he told Ananias. Jesus told Ananias, don't worry. I've shown Paul all that he must suffer for my name's sake. And it's just a quick little verse. And then you move on to a great story, an awesome baptism and a miracle healing. Amen. So much good stuff that sometimes we blow right past that verse. What if God had showed you everything that you would suffer for him before you actually gave yourself to him? Hmm. Like, would that enhance your faith? Would that terrify you? Would that that have made you turn and run? And just being honest, maybe. Maybe. It hasn't all been easy. There's been things that had I been told I would have to suffer for Christ's sake. And I'm not talking about all the the physical pains or the the problems we cause ourselves. I'm talking about the times you stepped out in faith for the Lord and it cost you something. Cost you something precious, something you could not get back. Would you still choose Christ? And I know the Christian answer is, well, of course I would. 
but be honest with yourself. We're going to talk about some of the things that Paul suffered. And I want to do it through the lens, through the keeping your mind that he saw all of these things coming and said yes anyways. And it's not clear in the Bible if if Jesus showed him all this in a vision, spoke this to him, but I have no doubt that he knew all of these things mm-hmm. going into it. He didn't probably have dates and times and places. He didn't have, you know, a list of spots that I'm really looking forward to going because I know good things happen there. And I'm really not looking forward to this because I know bad things happen there. We're just told that he was shown all the things he must suffer for Christ's sake. Well, and we look at his ministry, we know he was like really focused on getting to Rome. Yeah. And he died in Rome. And if God showed him all the things he must suffer for his namesake, it kind of would make you think then that he was eager for the place he would die because like and i think it was maybe also in galatians where he said to live is christ and to die is gain Mm -hmm. and that may not have been in galatians i'll have to double check that but um but anyways paul did say to live is christ and to die is gain and And clearly he he was the type of guy who he rips that Band-Aid off quick. Like, he was charging full speed for Rome for years before he made it there. Right. I mean, he, he would have preferred to walk, crawl, or swim to Rome, <laughs> even in the season where he was called back to Jerusalem to deliver a big love offering of, you know, money that all the different churches had built up. And he went back and delivered that. And there in Jerusalem is where he ends up getting his one-way ticket to Rome. And all of those, well, actually, it's not his one-way ticket. That was his first imprisonment. He actually was treated fairly well during that first imprisonment. And released. Which, again, I would think would probably throw you through a loop when you already know. Like, this is, this is the end game. I go to Rome... And I don't make it. And then you go to Rome. And you do. And then you get dragged back in chains later. And killed. Either way. I guess I'm mature enough to recognize. That I don't know that it's such an easy answer. As well yes. If God would have showed me all this. I still would have chose him. I like to think so. But it's a hard call. And I know that there's some of you out there who have suffered and you've dealt with really, really hard things. And I don't want to cheapen your pain. And maybe that's why God doesn't show us all what we must suffer for his name's sake. The friends will lose. The battles we'll have to fight. The jeopardy we put ourselves and our loved ones in. Being called to a mission has risks. And we're promised that the fruit, the joy of heaven is so great that you can't even compare it to the things you suffer here. Mm -hmm. And there's moments where that's what you cling to because it's a rough moment. I love the introduction we get 
of Paul in chapter 8. He's not even Paul here. In, in the CSB version, the very first line of chapter 8 of the book of Acts is, Saul agreed with putting him to death. And they're talking about Stephen, the first Christian martyr. Saul is Paul. Saul is actually Saul the persecutor. That was what he was known as. And he was just crushing it in the killing Christians business. He would hold coats for people as they stoned the very first martyr. And he was a scribe of scribes. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a teacher of teachers. He had studied his whole life to know the Torah, to know all things Jewish. And one of the things he knew was this new strange doctrine that these Christians are still carrying on about, even though we executed Jesus, needs to be ended. And so he was like the first Christian bounty hunter. He went out there with a warrant. He went out there with a badge to take out Christians. And I know a lot of you know this, but I'm never going to assume that we don't have a a non-believer listening or a new Christian who maybe hasn't had this story told to him hopefully in a way that you could, I don't know, catch and understand and, and hunger to learn more about. Saul was a ruthless man. And he was given a warrant, not just for Jerusalem. He was actually given an extra warrant to go all the way to Damascus and persecute all the Christians there because he did so good at his job that almost all the Christians had fled Jerusalem. It was really hard to find any. The church had gone deep underground. And it wasn't just Paul. You know, there was this huge outpouring from the Romans and the Jews against the Christian religion. And all that persecution just fed the beast. It just fed the church and it grew and grew and grew, but it grew in secret. It grew in darkness and it spread out to other towns. Yeah, it says in um, 913, it says that Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. <laughs> so he was already well known. Well known. And then when you skip down to 16 or 15, yeah. It says, but the Lord said to him, go, for this man is my chosen instrument, hallelujah, to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And Ananias went and baptized him after that. Ananias was bold. Yes, he, he too was faithful to the Lord. And had to consider the possibility that I could die for doing this. Even if Paul has had this Damascus Road experience and he's genuinely been changed, that doesn't guarantee all of the people around him are. Like, I could still be walking into some kind of trap. But the Lord protected him and the Lord allowed him to operate with the power of the Holy Spirit 
he invested it in him and he was able to pray mm -hmm. and baptize Paul and Paul's blindness was cured. And not just his physical blindness, but, you know, some serious spiritual blindness that I right. think all of us have to battle our own self. And prayer's the way you do it, you know. Be baptized and pray that the scales fall off your eyes. Because there's things about this kingdom we don't know yet. There's things about Christ that we just don't understand. And that's a beautiful, fun part of the journey. But I think pride gets the best of us sometimes and we just assume we've arrived at spiritual maturity. We know all there is to know. This whole podcasting thing is very new to us. But one of the things I know is that five years from now, we'll look back at a lot of these and be like, eh, we better do some red letter corrections, you know, because we've learned a lot more. Not that we're feeding you false information, but we're on this journey too. We're running our race as well. And we've invited you into it to see where we're at on the road, you know, and to try to call you guys deeper to help you and to be criticized by you and grow from that. Yeah. And also, I guess, too, um, you had mentioned early on in this, like, there's something beautiful about being able to look back. And I hadn't really thought much about that either of us would look back, but more that our children would look back is what you had mentioned. And, and um, you know, they're living this life with us right now. And we're all going through this thing. But even in that, you know, I have my own things that I experience with the Lord. You have your own things that you experience with the Lord. They each have their own thing. And like what happens in this season is a, is a culmination of what God is doing in each one of us. And then united together, you know, what that translates to and how he's affecting the world around us through how he's growing us individually and together and within the whole body. And so I'm excited for their perspective when they look back, the children, and, you know, one day they'll be grown and they'll look back where their children might look back. And I think there's something really important that sometimes is lacking in Christianity and its authenticity. Um, it's easy to get caught in the motions, in all the bright Christianese things to do and say, and, um, and really lose the ability to connect with other people and like, we're just real. We're just real people. Like, we have daily struggles. We have real things going on in our life. We have we have things that we're suffering, too, right now. Seasons we've just come out of. Seasons we're in. Seasons of what we're coming into, you know. And we're just kind of out here trying to um, seek the Lord and see how, you know, how he can be glorified how he wants to be glorified through all of it. And it's not easy. Like, I'll be honest, if he had showed me, you know, we were talking before, if he had showed me some of the things 
I might have been, you know, ride or die with him. But there's some things that have happened that I'd, if he had shown me that at year one, and the, like, the person I was, I don't think I would have been able to do it. Like, I don't think I would have, just being honest. But it's so beautiful, like, and that's horrible to admit, but at the same time, it's kind of beautiful because the person I was couldn't have done it. Yeah. It's truly only like, <clears throat> like who he's raising me up to be in him that I could overcome any of this, like literally. And I don't know, there's something kind of beautifully broken about all of that. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And it's going to be different for everybody. The things you suffer, and I'm talking about the things you suffer specifically when you say yes to God. When he puts a path before your feet and a mission in your hand and invites you into something beautiful he wants to do, and you say yes, sometimes there's a cost. Oftentimes there's a cost. And it does look different for everybody, but I think we can, you can fill in your own gaps. And some of those will fill in just through our buddy, Paul. Like one of the ones I want to talk about first is it's not actually considered much in our lives or in Paul's life, but the isolation of the Christian walk. Mm. There's seasons you'll go through where, where you're walking alone and God's doing a thing that's just between you and him. And because we're social creatures, because we've, from the beginning, craved companionship, I mean, it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah, straight up. That's it. something God perceived when he looked upon Adam mm -hmm. all alone. And so he made for him a help meet. He made Eve because he knew he shouldn't be alone. And we've only clustered together in bigger numbers ever since. And I'm not saying the bigger your circle, the better you're doing. But I'm saying like there's an internal thing in us that does crave companionship from our fellow humans. Mm -hmm. But there's seasons that God calls you into where you need to just rest at his side. And if you don't recognize that right away, it just feels like isolation. In Galatians chapter one, Paul talks about this thing he dealt with. I'm going to start in verse 11. And what Paul's doing is he's explaining the origins of his evangelism. So beginning in verse 11. Of Galatians chapter 1. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, mm. was pleased to reveal 
his son in me, so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, and I stayed with him fifteen days. But I didn't see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. I declare in the sight of God, I am not lying in what I write to you. <laughs> so Paul solemnly swears that he received the principles that he teaches directly from Jesus Christ Beautiful. on a three-year sojourn. And in that time, he went all the way to Arabia and back to Damascus, his starting point as a Christian. And that is where his divine revelation and the wisdom to preach the gospel came from. That has so many interesting things we could discuss, but I want to focus on how isolating that must have been Yeah, to travel far away from your home, far away from the mission you thought you were on. And what would seem like the most direct path to becoming a good Christian was, hey, you know, maybe we go to the prisons you filled up and talk to some of them. Maybe you go talk to some of the apostles that started this whole thing. No, he went to Jesus, who really started this whole thing. Amen. And trusted mm -hmm. that from heaven, Jesus could teach him more than any man could teach him here on earth. But there's risks to isolation. And anybody who's suffered loneliness understands that. Anybody yeah. who's been isolated understands that. Yeah, I remember when we bought the off-grid farm and out by Yosemite. I remember um, Sabrina, our realtor, she said, I just worry about you because you're going to be isolated out here. And it's not good for someone to be isolated like this. And I was like, I got this. I'll, I'm good. And it's like <laughs> one of the one. first things God noticed when he was hanging out in the cool of the day with Adam in the garden was it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah. Like, I don't know exactly what Adam was up to, but, but I'm a man I can imagine. And you know, you just, you can get weird when you're alone too much <laughs> and God recognized it. And he made us, a community-minded creature. And well, I that's think, a great thing. Yeah, I think, like, um, you know, leading women's Bible study, we get together once a week. And a lot of the women, you know, we're, we're mostly all comprised of stay-at-home mom. Well, not all, but a lot of them are stay-at-home moms. And, like, I know what happens to a woman who's isolated for six days with children mm -hmm. like you get together with your sisters and it's like the chatting don't stop like sometimes <laughs> it's very hard to start class you know because because everybody wants to share and hear and all the things and so yeah i can imagine uh paul out there for three days i mean for three years excuse me um but he wasn't isolated truly because he was in the presence of the lord right so he was like exactly in the best place to be really yeah and it's worth 
So that's just one of the things I would add to the list of things that Paul had suffered. That's not even included in his own list. Right. He didn't even consider that suffering because, like you said, he wasn't really alone. He was with Christ the whole time. But isolation, that's a real thing to address, is that you'll be isolated. You will be isolated at... Yeah, you'll be severed from deep relationships that you've had your whole life. Because Christ wants to take you deeper. He wants to take you somewhere that you can only follow him. And you got to say yes to it. He's not going to force that. He didn't force him to march to Arabia and back. That was a yes that Paul gave, knowing that things would be explained to him. And shockingly, like, sometimes you'll be isolated from your church. Yeah. Like, I know a lot of people that want to talk about that, but, like, going after Christ could get you, like, excommunicated from your whole, you know, Christian family. Yeah, and that's not... Those were air quotes. ...a reason to get bitter. Like I said, sometimes God is calling you to a place that's a secret place. It's for you and him. It's for the specific mission he'll put on you. And hear me from hard experience, it's best to not dwell too much on the things you suffer for Christ because they're for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And if you start judging those around you or getting upset, or jaded, you just hinder yeah. yourself and possibly miss the whole lesson and have to repeat it. Mm. And if anybody's ever failed a test and had to take it again in the middle of summer or something, like it's not fun to have to repeat lessons that you ought to have learned the first time. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, you know, in the suffering he desires to be glorified and so if we we let anger bitterness um too much doubt or questioning come into it you really just are stealing from the glory that god desires yeah remember to receive he has a plan and he knows his plan. Amen. And his plans for you are for your good. Yeah. Jeremiah that does not 11. mean it will not hurt a bit. And at times, it'll hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. But Amen. It, it's still <laughs> for your good. So we'll wrap this one up with a prayer. And then next time, we'll get into this, some of the things that Paul himself considers his suffering. And, you know, we'll find common ground there too, I'm sure. Lord God, we thank you so much. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, the way that it washes us, God. We pray that um, that your word fell today on good ground. God, we thank you that, um, that you are our deliverer, Lord, that you always deliver. And um, Father, we just, we just thank you for your presence and for every opportunity for um, our suffering to bring you glory. God, in Jesus' name. Amen.